This week on episode 18 of the Dying Alive podcast, the Penguins only lose to bad Western Conference teams, which is good because they don't play a whole lot of them again for the rest of the year. Update on Matt Murray, still good, and we're going to talk about me. Folks, it's episode 18. I'm Jesse Marshall of The Athletic Pittsburgh, joined as per usual by Patrick Damp of the Penn's blog. Say hello, Patrick. Hey, Jesse. How are you this week? And Mike Darnay of Pennsburg, who will never be allowed to name an episode of this show. <laughs> <laughs> Did that also get me removed from first billing? No, this is where you belong. Okay. Oh. I, I accept that. Ah, so how's it going? So it, it it sounds pretty quiet where you're at, Jesse. What's going on? It's the witching hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so since we last spoke, uh, the Penguins have won some games uh, and then they've lost some games. Uh, both losses coming to uh, what's, it, what's the Chicago thing? Uh, I feel like it's the opposite of the Winnipeg thing that the Penguins have. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when the, I don't was it? Um, let me see here. So this probably was like I think from their inception. How wasn't it? Wasn't the Atlanta Thrashers the franchise the Penguins had like an unruly record against? Yes, and it has carried on since they moved to Winnipeg too. Yeah. So there. Okay, that's why I made the connection in the first place. Yeah. What was it, Michael? There's 16. I think they won in a row. I think something like that. And I don't think Winnipeg have beaten the Penguins since they left Atlanta. I may be wrong about that, but if that they have it sound if, right. <laughs> if, if they have, it's only been well, they only play each other twice a year. So yeah. since they left Atlanta, they've been playing one another maybe ten times. I remember being at the game that the Penguins lost to Atlanta. Um this is during the X generation year. Um and it was just so embarrassing. You know, you hated to see that streak die. You kind of was one that it was the only thing you really had to cling to in that time. Yeah, yeah, and at the at the end of the Thrashers tenure in Atlanta, what was that twenty eleven? I want to say the Penguins were just kicking the shit out of them with ease. Well, that was the old uh, Kovalchuk point gate. Yeah, yeah. Those were the days. Um, but anyway, uh, let's get right to it here because I know the listeners are going to be dying to. Get, any, uh, get a beat on this. Patrick, how many beers did you have at the Chicago game? Drum roll. Two. Ah. I think you win, Mike, right? I said three if I remember correctly. What was I at? I believe you said two. Yeah, I think you were at two, Jesse. Because ah. I, I wanted to set the under at two and a half. Take that, Mike. I lose. <laughs> you loser. I, I feel shame. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad my beers, uh, you know, have declared one winner definitively and one loser definitively in this podcast. And you know what? I appreciate you being safe and yeah, know, yeah, and um, knowing that Pat was drinking IPAs, I think two is the correct answer. Boy, so small. Is uh, big things come in small packages? I'm saying it. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse, I can see the crowbar you shoehorned that sh- short joke in with, but uh, thank you. I'm saying if. You're, you know, from a blood alcohol perspective, you know, things work maybe a little bit differently for you. I'm dense. So and that can mean that means a lot of different things. So you have a lot of blood. Stupid, is that what you're saying? 
Yes, a lot of blood. You're full of. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're off the rails. We're <laughs> five minutes in. <laughs> uh, but I guess so. How do we evaluate the play then of Casey DeSmith, who was in goal? Um, I guess for, for both of the Penguins' most recent losses, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I the LA game. I don't really put on him. I know a couple of the goals were not great, but he didn't get any semblance of help against the Kings. I mean, it was just a bad game top to bottom by everybody involved. The Chicago loss, that's just... It's like we kind of alluded to at the beginning. Just I don't know what's going on with that. They just can't seem to beat them lately. So well, At least they were in this one. Yeah, at least this one. But they blew a lead, which sucked. But... Um, I mean, all in all, it's similar to what you want, I think, from a guy who just got rewarded with a contract extension that Casey DeSmith got. Is He's a backup goalie. He's not an active liability when he's in the net, and that's about all you can ask. Now, um, a thought I had. Do you put any stock in, if you're going to lose to a bad team, let it be a Western Conference team so you're not losing in division points? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to lose any games, but if you had to pick games to lose, that's what you would go with. Well, the games the games that they won, uh, there was no shortage of goal scoring. Uh, both Florida and Anaheim, a total of 12 goals uh, in, uh, between those two games. Uh, and specific to the Anaheim game, I think that's the one that really stands out. The Florida game was kind of just bleh. Um It was kind of just the Penguins just beating on them uh, the whole game. But the, the Anaheim one was the one that really stood out as exciting and the, the of having trailed three nil and the Daniel Sprong goal appearing to be the dagger uh, to come back in the fashion that they did, I think was the most impressive performance of this run of four games. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Randy Carlisle for telling a reporter. That's a dumb question when asked about his own job security. Oh, he's feeling it. <laughs> yeah, he's, well, he got that. He got that dreaded vote of confidence yesterday from Bob Murray. Well, I'm, I'm never a proponent in hockey of bringing a guy back when it didn't work a first time. I just yeah. think it's stupid. I think it's dumb. It's a waste of time. Yeah. But also, that's, you know, that's not Bob Murray's M.O. He, I know that, you know, there's the dreaded vote of confidence, as Mike put it, but that's not Bob Murray's M.O. The only time he's fired a coach in the season is when he had one waiting in the wings with Boudreaux. And that was because he knew he could get Boudreaux at that moment. He doesn't fire coaches in season. It's just not what he does. He waits to the offseason. And I guess the question becomes whether or not Anaheim has anything to even salvage out. I mean, you know, they're, they're slipping far enough down that, to, to a point that you wonder if making a change, does it solve anything? Yeah, I mean, they, the, tra- they traded Coviano for Devin Shore. It's just like a whatever trade is that like a like a locker room trade to, just to try to shake things up a little bit probably and i think they're trying to get younger they, they're really going for youth because they're you know perry and gets laugh for getting up there they probably don't got a ton of miles left on them plus i don't think they ha- they stand much to gain other than losing draft status in this upcoming year because if they you know decide to make a run at the playoffs and get knocked out in the first round all they do is just worsen their position in the draft when 
what's the point of that when you can get a good draft pick while you have an okay team that could be helped by a high pick? An okay team with a very good goaltender. Well, the third star of the week in the National Hockey League this week was the player that um, had the biggest impact um, over the Penguins' most recent run, and that's Jake Gensel, who's now matched last year's productivity already. Completely Uh, undressed John Gibson. Oh, unbelievable. That's a Vezina candidate. It was filthy. He did it in every manner of way. I put the video of it on Twitter, too, where he... The first goal he scored in that game, he, he choked up mid-shot um, and waited for Crosby to kind of pass through uh, and got Gibson to kind of open him up and, and, and put it five-hole. Um, and then the second goal, he just elusively settles in between you know, four defensemen <laughs> or four, four defenders and finds that one area that was open. Uh, he's, turning into, he's turning into a goal scorer. I was going to say on the first goal, I could almost see if you were John Gibson in that situation that it almost looked like he fanned on it, but he made it look like he intentionally fanned on it. Right. It was a pump fake. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And we can't understate just how good he has become. Uh, you know, the the Stanley Cup run in 17, it was like, oh, okay, cool. We got this young guy who has some upside, but, you know, could be rookie sensation has a good first year and kind of falls by the wayside he did a little bit last year but again when the we started coming down the stretch you know that was when jake gensel eight was late in the season into playoffs he was gigantic in the two rounds the penguins were in last year and this year speaks for itself the kid the kid's a gamer he belongs at this level and he should be stapled to Crosby's wing from now until Crosby retires. Okay, so here's here's a question I have. Had the Penguins decided to wait until the end of the season to talk contract extension, and his production continues at the rate that it has at the halfway point, how much more does it cost them on the salary cap? Half a mil. I was going to say half a mil, maybe three-quarters of a mil. They still did. The, yeah. I still think you know they got while they're getting was good. Yeah, yeah. That, I think we said it on the show before when it first was announced that they kind of kicked that extra half million in as if to say, "You get this because we don't want you to go to arbitration." Yeah. Especially now, because given the way he's producing, if he goes to arbitration, <laughs> he is kidding. Paid. Yeah, especially especially because arbitration is still based essentially on raw. Goal assist point numbers, correct? Yeah, counting stats. Yeah. Yeah, counting and comparatives. You know, they would see what he put up and compare that around the league to comparable contracts. And, you know, the guys he would be in the realm with would be in the seven, eight million dollar range. And, you know, that would hurt the Penguins a little bit when it comes to the cap. It's just crazy to me that. I mean, I, I can't even fathom someone being mad about the Jake Gensel deal. <laughs> it just blows my mind. I mean, I, for what he provides, it's just, you know, and, th- and again, that, that th- those goals he scored over the course of the last week are just evidence of what kind of player he's coming, the kind of player that can embed himself in the offensive zone. And, yeah, they are, they are legitimate to, goal scorer goals. Well, I was talking to Tab Douglas about this. Name drop. I was talking to Tab <laughs> Douglas about this. Seriously, though, I, and I talk to Tab all the time. If you think about this, you know, with, when it comes to Gensel specifically, 
him fulfilling this role in front of the net, right on the power play, Hornquist occupies defenders and draws them to himself by his ability to get in front of the goaltender, directly in front, and scream. I think Gensel accomplishes the same goal, though, by his penchant for settling into the slot and drawing defenders to him. You know, it's a means to an end that's different, but you're still accomplishing the same goal. Uh, so it's just that those little subtle versatilities go a long way, I think, in, in what his total game is becoming. Yeah, I feel like uh, we could flash back to the 27 playoffs, the first round against Columbus when he had the hat 27. trick. So you, said, right. you said 2027? 2017. Oh. Or 1927. I, you never know. Did I say 2027? Who won the cup in 27, bet? Uh, probably Montreal. <laughs> Let's Google it. Anyways, anyways, back to my my point. Um, if we go back to his first playoff with the Penguins, he had that hat trick. Ottawa, by the way. Who? Who? Ottawa. Oh. Yeah. The Ottawa, what, what would they have been at that time? Because they weren't the Senators. Um... Were they the 67s or no? That's that's the junior team. No, it was uh, was the Senators. They were they were the Senators, then they disappeared and came back as something yeah. else. Yeah, they were the they, Senators they were in all, 27. I, I thought they had another name. Um, it was uh, the Senators and Bruins. I'm thinking of, you know who I'm thinking of, believe it or not? New York. Eddie Shore. The Americans. Anyway. Old-time hockey. <laughs> we, we keep interrupting Mike's point. Okay. My point. <clears throat> uh, the hat trick he no, scored. Reminds, no, I'm just Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I will fucking. <laughs> I'm going to save this story for next week. Fuck both of you. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, hat trick goal against Columbus. He floated into the slot and lifted a defender's stick and then positioned himself for a one-timer for a hat-trick to win the game over time. Yeah, and I think to kind of build on what both you guys are saying there, the the difference between Gensel and Hornquist in front of the net on the power play is Gensel's approach is a little more cerebral. He thinks of and sees where to go and where to be while Hornquist is more just brute force. He's going get to get in, in there with the defender, you know, position himself, take the beating, and deflect pucks off his leg, arm, body, wherever, where Gensel is going to find that soft spot, get open, and score a goal. Gensel, see, Gensel sees a guy and is like, how, all right, how can I beat this guy? Right. Patrick Hornquist sees a guy and says, how can I beat this guy up? <laughs> Pretty much. So while we're in the subject of good things, Matt Murray. Still good. Still good. 9-0. and Ooh. Since returning from injury, and I know wins are a team stat, but he's well. A lot of them are as a result of him directly. Yeah, right. That it's you know we could dig into the numbers up and down, but the biggest factor in the Penguins playing well the last month and a half is almost directly correlated to the fact that they've gotten not just. Average goaltending, but well above average goaltending. Yeah, uh, Jesse, Bigly. I have a stat question, and and, and and this is not a. I'm not putting on the spot for specific data. Do, uh, you reference goals saved above average fairly often. Do those numbers get put out on a game by game basis, or is that more of a rolling number? Both. Okay. 
you can get it for like an individual game. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was curious, and this is something we can dig into. I'm curious to see like what his goal saved above average number is during this nine game stretch. Mm. You could get that information on the Pens blog right now. Oh yeah. You could. Well, it's not. Jeff. Well, it's a couple games behind now, but um, yes, yeah. it's, it was a few games behind. It was uh, early last week. Jeff wrote a piece about comparing Murray pre-injury to Murray post-injury. I think it was either six or seven games in, and the diff the contrast is obscene. Just well, I think it's important, Pat, to point out the fact that it, you know the, the bump that the rest of the team is getting, you know, especially from a defensive perspective. You've seen some players that um, were sporting a pretty poor plus minus. Uh, they've seen it flip. It's because of goaltending. Yes. I mean, let, let's let's be clear. You know, I, I, this team's not doing a whole lot different defensively. Yeah, and, and, and in the process, their uh, goal differential number has skyrocketed. Right, and that and that again, I, I don't attribute that to you know any one defenseman or any any grouping of defensemen as much as I do goaltending just being overtly dominant well in in one of the stats that popped out to me in jeff's story about murray was that he has faced just above two more shots per 60 minutes since he came back from injury but the difference is they're not from the high danger area so the penguins are have vastly improved their defense in the high slot and the low slot so while teams are getting more shots at the net, they're not getting high quality looks at the net. They're just shooting from low percentage areas, and it's either Murray's making the save and they're clearing the rebound, or Murray's making the save and stopping the play, and that's gigantic. Well, let me posturize on that for a second. Um, that's a result, I think, of the Penguins playing of the lead a lot. Um, when a team's trailing, their their tendency is just to throw as much as they can at the net, and they have a tendency to sacrifice quality in that process um, and I think the Penguins have put themselves in a lot of situations where they've had a big lead uh, with Murray in goal and it's forced other teams to increase their volume of shots while sacrificing maybe a bit of a quality uh, inherently in that and that's not a knock on Murray um, I think it's just the position the Penguins have put themselves in um, and it's a positive one to be in at that yeah, absolutely. And I, you do have to take into account that they have played a lot more time with a lead than at tied or from behind with Murray and Nett. But I do think there does need to be something said at the fact that they're insulating him better than they were pre-injury. Yeah, and I think they finally got some pairings that make sense. And they've settled into those pairings. Sort of as well they should I mean that's like they, they, the Penguins when they're going are a great example of if it ain't broke don't fix it because you'll see it throughout the league and you saw, you see it with Sullivan but more so in his systems than his lineups is when he finds something that, that works he doesn't throw it in the blender after one or two games if there's an off night or an off week like he, he commits to a process of a lineup Whereas a lot of coaches will have an off night. And okay, everybody's getting moved around the lineup. This guy's up on the third line now. This guy's down to the fourth. This guy's this defenseman's down to the bottom pairing. This guy's up to the top. You know, he's kept his lineup fairly consistent over the month. Um, a thought I'm having, and feel free to argue 
with this if you'd like. I don't think half of a season is unreasonable in terms of finding consistency in your lineup, considering how long the season is and the fact that right about now is where you want to be turning it on with the march into the spring, finding your groove with your line mates and your, your pairings this time of year is not a bad thing. No, no. And March into the spring. Very nice. I like that. And um, you're right though. This is the time of year where you should have solidified your pairings and it looks like they're getting to that point. Although they will have Schultz coming back here relatively soon. Yeah, apparently he's just about practicing. Still wearing that red jersey. The red don't touch me jersey. Getting there, though. So, Jesse, you said while we're talking about good things, what bad things do we got to talk about? I was going to say that. I was going to say before we we transition this conversation, does anybody have any last positive thoughts before we we get into the ugly stuff? Oh, uh... Brian Rust, man. Oh, yeah. Not, kind of a disservice for us not to bring him up. Could have had three goals against uh, L.A. Yeah, and just his overall play is, it's been phenomenal lately. Okay, let's get into the poo-poo part now. What's going on with Derek Broussard? I don't know, man. I think, I think it comes down to what I said a few episodes ago, and it just... It hasn't worked, and it's not an indictment on Derek Broussard or his career, or Rutherford and his body of work. It's just sometimes you get a guy and it's square peg trying to fit into a round hole for some reason. He just isn't fitting. And he uh, and he has fallen vic- the latest victim to the Jim Rutherford disappointment. Yeah, via, so uh, via, via the media, to uh, Josh he today, Josh did, and uh, a couple things came out of that. He said um, one. Uh, he's underperforming, which, you know, no surprise there. And two, he said that uh, he thinks that uh, Garrett, uh, Derek Broussard has another gear and has wondered why we haven't seen it yet and knows that the gear exists because he's seen it out of him before. So basically, Rutherford, he's not mad. He's just disappointed. <laughs> it's not a good place to be if you're Derek Broussard. No. So, you know, I think with, with the recent signing of Casey DeSmith, I think the Penguins could put together, you know, a little something with, with Derek Broussard and, and Tristan Jari as a, a sweetener because Jari on his own isn't anything attractive. You know, no. you throw, you know it's, he's just a middling American Hockey League goalie at this point. That's what his resume says he is. Um, so I See, I, I, I'm going to kind of disagree on that, though. Oh, yeah. Like I, I know, I, I know the numbers say it right, but we've seen it time and again that guys who are high draft picks, whether it be forward, defenseman, goaltender, they always get talked about with the caveat of, you know, a change of scenery could just could really do this guy some great, some some good. So I think that if you can find a way to sell it in that regard, I think you can actually get a decent return for him with one or two other things packaged in. Nate, what's a decent return mean to you? A good third line center or... For Tristan Jari. 
No, 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 not not just him alone. I mean, in a package. I think. Okay, that's what I'm talking think, about. What I'm saying is that there's people but, who think that you can get some kind of monumental deal for just Tristan Jari based on potential. There's no I potential think, there. He's a middling AHL goalie. You're not. I you're think, not going to trade for a third line center just because of Tristan. Like that's what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. He has to be a part of another deal by himself. I, he's not an attractive option at all. I was also going to say, I think just in general, his value has been deflated a little more than it should be just because he was a higher pick. He's had some good years in the A, and some people might be able to look at it as a down year and have more potential. But, you know, that's just my opinion on that. I could be completely wrong. But I still think they have the pieces to do something maybe bigger than what they had expected their ability would be to at the deadline. Yeah, nine defensemen on top of yeah. Jari and, and Derek Broussard. <laughs> so that's I mean, too many. In that, Just, I was saying that's more, I think, what we expected out of the Shiro era too because, you know, they just drafted defensemen, 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 defensemen. Because the idea was if you have an influx of young defensemen you can flip them for forward help and that's that kind of didn't really ever come to fruition because a lot of those a lot of those draft picks didn't pan out so i think now when you actually have nine moderately capable nhl defensemen uh a ahl goalie and a 3c that hasn't been working out you suddenly have a lot of assets you can flip for good return they just gotta get edmonton on the horn Seriously, if you're an NHL GM and you're not calling Peter Chiarelli every day, just reevaluate. Especially your life. now with the reports out that he's looking to make a big splash for a forward. Yes, because that'll fix the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Man complains about sinking ship that he poked holes in. Need some flex tape, dude. I don't I've seen that commercial where that guy puts the Yeah. Yeah, he puts it on the side of the canoe and just It's one of the four commercials that's always on NHL network. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> that and wax vac. I, I, I have used I have used I have used uh, flex seal spray. I thought you were gonna I, say you used the wax vac. No. I was no, really hoping no, for No, I have used the flex seal spray and I can vouch for it. Would you spray, Mike? Um <laughs> All right, so I, I replaced flooring in a bedroom last summer, or two summers ago, and there was a leak, and I sprayed the leak with the Flex Seal. Fixed it? Yep. All right. So coming up, uh, looking around the corner here, San Jose Tuesday, Arizona Friday, Vegas Saturday, um, late nights, so stupid. So, so I will be I will be watching sucks. I will be watching highlights, not live action. I'm gonna do my damnedest. I have a bedtime. This weekend was particularly brutal, Michael, because we had the uh, late night game and then compared the next morning with West Ham Arsenal at seven thirty. Who won that game? Oh, I'm sorry, West Ham United. Oh, good. Took all good. three points. Very that good. Were available. <laughs> you know what? Good for them. You know what the problem good though, Mike, is uh, Arnautovic is uh, he wants to go to China. Big money. Yeah. Well, he says he wants to win titles. Nobody goes to China to win titles. <laughs> stupid. So, um, Mike, do you want to just handle this the discussion about steak? Um, 
Sure. Yeah. So uh, I believe it was Saturday. I came across um, was a poll on 538. Not um, not so much a poll as much as it was a collection of data um, on 538 about how Americans order their steak. We have discussed meats on here, and I was curious to circle back on this and see how you guys feel about this. Um, this was based on data from Longhorn Steakhouse for a year. How people how people order their steak. Um, thirty seven point five percent of Americans order their steak medium. At Longhorn. How do you feel about that? Not surprised. It's a Longhorn. This isn't yeah, Ruth's they tell Christ. they tell us all the time you can't fake steak. <laughs> Remind me again how you order a steak. Because I can't remember. What's well, it depends on so many different factors. I can't okay. give you just a Okay. What if you were at Longhorn? I I would probably opt to have it cooked longer to kill anything that's potentially <laughs> lingering on it. Yeah, that's, as, a, as fair, I, that's as, a very as, fair answer. As I believe you have once said, I I have been known to eat a well done steak. No, I ha- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, I, I will never chastise someone for going to Longhorn and ordering it well done because that's not a place. I don't care that it's in the name that they have Max Payne as their uh, voiceover <laughs> guy on the commercials. I'm not getting a steak at fucking Longhorn. Are you getting a steak at Outback? No, I'm getting a Bloomin' Onion. That's it? Yeah, have you seen them? They're fucking huge. <laughs> wow. Uh, 2.5%. What about Applebee's, Pat? What self-respecting human being gets a steak at Apple? I'm just seeing what lengths we can get. I want to. I'm uh, trying to find where your limit is, Pat. Just for the record, chances are, chances are, I'm not getting a steak from a chain restaurant. Okay, so like Red Lobster, no steak. Maybe because they do surf and turf. Just, just for the record, currently Applebee's has a promotion going: two dollar rum and cokes. <laughs> I was waiting for a steak tip. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just where my priorities are. Um. Anyway, wait. So, to go back to the list, Mike, what, what was the percentage of people that do it? Uh, um, rare. Two point five percent. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Eleven point seven percent. Well done. Twenty-five percent medium well. 22% medium rare. You got to go medium if you're getting a steak. Got to go medium. Yeah. yeah. Fine uh, me. Honestly, the only time I will eat a steak medium rare is if it is somewhere where I trust it to be made properly or in my own kitchen. Like, I, yeah, I was going to say if, if I go to a butcher and buy one or a or, 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 go, to, or go to a real steakhouse. Yeah, like if I'm, if I'm in control of the situation. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Hit the music. Papers are uh, reason around in the wind. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, uh, Jacob Denny asks, have you gone to other NHL arenas and what are your favorite NHL cities to catch a game? I've only ever been to one other 
and it was Columbus, and I actually really enjoyed it. And it was a Penguins loss, and it was still a fun game to go to. I'm going to answer the question in the opposite manner and just say MSG sucks. Never been. Sucks. Uh, I have seen the Penguins play on the road four times, and all four times the Penguins won. Where are they going? Uh, Columbus, Washington, Toronto, and uh, the Coliseum on Long Island. I really want to see a game in Toronto. I know we love to chirp Toronto, but like, you got to go at some point. Uh, it's it's fine. Um, I sat upper bowl because it was expensive, and with the conversion rate, a beer was like eighteen dollars Canadian. But <sighs> but it's fine. Otherwise, uh, let's see. Jen asks thoughts and or takes on players skipping the All Star game to rest. I'm honestly Who fine with it. Gives a shit. Yeah, because the NHL's the product sucks. Yeah, it's just, I don't even want to watch it. They don't go far enough. They they really don't. It's supposed to be a spectacle, not an actual hockey game. Well, and and even with the skills competition stuff, I somebody said, uh, where, where's the All Star game at this year? San Jose. I saw somebody said, if you're Alex Ovechkin, who is skipping the game, going to take a one-game suspension, would you rather go to the All-Star game in San Jose while your teammates go to Mexico for a week on their bye? Yeah. Mexico. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Meta asks, what is your least favorite hockey game you've ever watched and why? Jeez. I mean, I don't know if I can think of one specifically, but I would say like late not any game in the late nineties, early two thousands with the Devils. It's like watching paint dry if they got a lead. Probably the five overtime loss against Philly. Oh yeah, that one was rough. This was uh two thousand three uh regular season game against the Minnesota Wild. I think Minnesota had lost six games in a row. They came to Mellon Arena and they went up like four or five nothing in the first period and the lights went out. Oh, I, I, I remember that. I didn't remember who it was against. Yeah. Yep. That was the new arena chant, correct? Couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Like you literally couldn't. It was a dark. I've never been in a darker place in my life. Metaphorically or? No, literally. It was that dark. <laughs> and the listeners can't see it. Jesse is wearing a shirt that says, Hello, Darkness. It's got a picture of my cat on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, That's that amazing. Is, That's yeah. sweet. And it says, My old friend on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, Alex asks, Who would you like to, who would you least like to see land Jack Hughes beside the Oilers? The Flyers. Yeah. Yeah. A, how about a? How about anyone other than a Metro team? Because it feels Ooh, like Ottawa. Re- Ottawa. Yeah, they don't deserve either. That's a good answer. Uh, Liam asks, "You have to add a rule and remove a rule from hockey. <laughs> what do you do? We'll accept." Okay. Okay. Wait. I have to add a rule and remove a rule, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll accept modifications of existing rules. Okay, I'm going to add the two-line pass back in. Okay. What? And then I'm going to take it back out. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Um, 
I work gonna, smarter, not harder. I am going to remove puck over the glass delay game. Good call. And I am going to add in that power plays get a full two minutes, even if you score. Nice. Um, I don't know about removing one, but adding, I would say if you score a shorthanded goal, the opponent loses its power play. Mm. Or we could go full uh, NHL arcade. If you score shorthanded, you get a goal and the opponent loses one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sports Dan asks, what's a realistic return in a trade involving Tristan Jari? And we kind of covered this. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on what you package. Yeah, I feel like you have to package because there's nothing there by himself. Right. Uh, Mark asks, what is your favorite game slash activity that they do during commercials or intermissions at the arena during a game? I've never lost the game where they cover up the pucks and switch them around. I've actually played one. Oh, which one? I played the KeyBank Ski-Ball last season. How'd you do? I won one hundred and fifty dollars. Nice. <laughs> I like awful. I like the uh, new one they're playing. It's like bumper hockey. Yeah, I like that. I like watching that one. People are kind of in like those globes that you run yeah. around in. They just kind of truck one another along the ice. But yeah, la- last year I got to play one because um, it was right when I first got the job with uh, Utica. I had to come back to town for a uh, couple days. And a friend of mine had an extra ticket to a game against Toronto in, I think, either November or December. And one of the interns I had in Wheeling was interning with the Penguins. And, like, I wanted to go say hi. And she was like, oh, wait, you're going to be at the game? Do you want to do the intermission game? I need to find people to do it. And I was like, oh, um, okay. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Chad Tully asks, for a while, I heard the take that Drew Doughty would score more if he played in a more open offensive system. Do you think he would be an effective, would be effective in a system like one that Mike Sullivan uses? Yeah. I I I don't think it'd be any different because he takes those kind of chances now. Not like they've completely restricted his ability Mm -hmm. to score. Yeah. I also think there's something to be said for that he's just on a bad team. Like, LA is not a good hockey team. Yeah. Uh, Peep asks if Sidney Crosby should skip the All Star game. I prefer he and Latang both did just take a week off. Yeah, why yeah. not? Take, take the one game, figure it out, whatever. Treat yourselves. Yeah. Uh, John asks who is one Penguins prospect from any era that you wanted to work out that did not? Whoa. We could probably do a whole episode on this, huh? <laughs> this would be this would be a good topic episode. Nathan Moon, Luca Caputi, Eric Tangrady, AC Piero's Avatar. Ooh, CPZ. I saw him in 2016 when uh, the Nailers were in the Kelly Cup final. Hmm. Uh, let's see. You got two more. <clears throat> One from Laura. What Premier League team is most like the Penguins? And she clarifies, it is a smaller city with a passionate fan base. Hall of Fame, but aging core, surrounded by young role players. Have won championships, but have what-if seasons lost to injuries, etc. That is so there specific. Isn't one. 
<laughs> yeah, there's not one. There's only five teams that have ever won it. <laughs> I guess Liverpool. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Who are the Flyers of the Premier League that she should root against? Millwall. Oh, Premier League. Sorry. <laughs> not League Two. Um, well, for you, it'd be Everton, right, Mike? Yeah. Um, I think- in, I, I, in, in fairness, if the NHL had relegation, the Flyers would probably be in League Two pretty shortly. I um I would never encourage anybody to be a Spurs fan ever. Fine by me. <laughs> uh, last question is from Amy. Have you ever had a near death experience or close call? I immediately thought of a story that I don't know that I've ever shared with either one of you. Okay. I want to say this is two thousand six. Or 2007, and I don't know if you'll remember this, but the the Steelers played the Chargers in a divisional playoff game at Heinz Field. I do remember the game, yeah. And it, and it had it was freezing rain the day before. Yep. Remember, okay. Yeah, I believe, I believe that was uh, December 2007, going into January. Okay, because Troy had an unbelievable pick at the end. Yes. Okay, uh, I went with a friend of mine named Dan Lucy. And we got obliterated drunk, which it was too cold to do anything but that. The only way you could survive was to not feel the temperature by getting drunk. When we left Heinz Field, we somehow ended up in like that closed off, restricted, gated area where all the buses are. Right. Like, I don't know how we got there. I don't know how we ended up there. We were clearly in some form of restricted area. So (laughs) I'm trying to get my you know, way because this is pre- this predates Uber. There's no Uber, right? You got to find a cab. You know, yeah. Um, for all you youngins, listen to the show, and, and those don't exist in the city of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and your apps, anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to find a cab. We're like I said, three sheets to the wind, and I'm not looking at what I'm doing. But I'm standing on the curb in this like restricted area, and I go to take a step onto the road. Okay, and. As I'm going to take the step onto the road, I can feel a hand grab me by the collar of my jersey and pull me back onto the curb. And just as that happens, here comes this bus. This oh bus, God. it has just smacked me. And I turn around, and it's Phil Sims. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, and he says in the most Phil Sims voice of all time, where do you think you're going, son? <laughs> now, 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 I'm... I'm trying to, I'm trying to process what just happened, right? And as I'm trying to process it, a car pulls up. Phil Sims gets in it and he drives away. I didn't even get to say thank you. He was gone in a flash, in an instant. He was there and then he wasn't. He saved like, my life and then he like just drove Phil away. S- Phil Sims was Jesus for a second, just for me. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Uh, my story is nowhere near as fun, but I got robbed at gunpoint. <laughs> I, so did I, and I didn't pick that. <laughs> well, your story was more fun anyway. <laughs> Patrick? Fuck, I'm boring compared to you two. Um, there was one year, I think it was 06, I was at Warp Tour, and I got buried under a bunch of people in a mosh pit. And I thought yeah, I was going to die. Probably not, That's probably not difficult with you. I, just, I don't remember. I just remember being like, oh, like I wasn't even partaking in this and a bunch of people fell down and now I'm at the bottom of it. This is great. It was probably like Avenged Sevenfold. It was probably some dumbass 
screamo band that I thought was good. Because teenage angst. Is that it, Mike? That's it. Anything to plug? I'm going to do something this week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Is that just a general statement? You're just going to do something this week? Um, No, I think we're going to talk about Brian Dumont. Ooh. He's good. Mm. Last I checked. I have nothing to plug for the record. Uh, Personal news in case they want to, you know, put this podcast into their advertising queue. I bought a Quip electric toothbrush. I'm going to plug that. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) Feeling clean? (laughs) Yeah. Your teeth look good, I'll tell you. Your smiles never look better. Thanks. Hit him with the vine of the week. Road work ahead? Uh, yeah, I sure hope it does. <laughs> <laughs>